Longest Day is a podcast from a female-founded destination practice that believes that crisis isn't an if, it's a when. We are an organization unafraid of crisis, but have never known one to be resolved in a single day. However long the day or night that gave rise to the crisis in the first place, there's always something we can learn. I'm Leah, the founder and CEO of Broadstairs Consulting, a problem-solving consultancy offering crisis and governance advisory services to help leaders and organizations thrive and flourish. We operate in the gap between legal and public relations, at the coalface of difficult situations, believing that most crises are avoidable and the impact of inevitable ones usually can be mitigated. Our guests have overcome a litany of crises. Many of our guests have worked with us in some capacity in the past. All of them have stories worth hearing, We trust them to make this worth your while. We hope it helps you trust us. I met Anna a few months ago when I hunted her down on social media for a feature for the local paper. Shout out to Broadstairs Beacon. I'm in awe of her charisma, her instincts, and the breadth of her reach. She's not just a business owner making huge strides in sustainable fashion, but she's a leadership coach empowering men and women, but let's be honest, especially women, to reach their full potential. They say when you know you found a kindred spirit, you know. Anna Woods is the founder of Positive Retail. Positive Retail's vision is to categorically change customers' perception of resale. By connecting people, planet, and product, Positive Retail seeks to tackle the idea that pre-loved is second best and beauty gets compromised. Anna has been a buyer at well-known brands, including Topshop, Kurt Geiger, and LK Bennett, and she's well-renowned as a leadership and business coach. Anna, welcome to The Longest Day. Thank you. So, Anna, perhaps you might like to tell us about your longest day. I shall. Um, Thank you for having me. So, my longest day is nearly 10 years ago now, and it certainly was the the start of the second half, if you like, of my career. So, I was working for quite a well-known retailer. I'd been on a trip to Paris and I was back in the office that day and the night before I had got a on my Blackberry so this is where this was I had a message from the HR director I think to say when you're back in the office will you please come and see me tomorrow and I just instinctively knew something weird was happening so went to see her and got presented with a piece of paper that basically said, um, we don't believe that I've been there two years as well. We don't believe that this is working out. Your areas, um, are not performing and we would like to pay you X amount of money to kind of exit the business. And I, I mean, I was just shell shots, shell shots in a way, like not surprised that it was happening, but just like, wow, this is massive. Um, I was really angry because it wasn't true. My, my areas were performing. I'd also asked for multiple, like I had lots of evidence of multiple, um, uh, like reach outs, if you like, to the creative director who was my boss, just to say kind of, you know, can we ever ca- catch up? I was not um led at all in that way. Um And so, yeah, I was angry with what was happening. And, and also kind of just, you know, when you get presented something like that and it's like have X amount of money to leave, it was like... It's humiliating and it's scary and 
I had built, you know, to that point, my whole kind of identity in London um, was around work. All my friends were, you know, from work. So basically, I was angry with the HR director and said, you know, where where are the other directors? Like, let's actually talk about this because this isn't true. Um, and I can prove it. Um, and she was... Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, this is just awful. Like you don't even know the facts yourself. I was, and I was angry. I was like, you're just a puppet. This is ridiculous. Um, and so interestingly, four months before a colleague at the same organization had engaged with an employment lawyer because she'd felt quite unsafe there and felt like something may well happen to her. Well, turns out it happened to me. Um, so I got the lawyer's details and literally left that meeting and went to the lawyer's office, called him and just, yeah, that afternoon, um, took my contract, took this piece of paper that I'd been given, um, and and explain the situation and and also showed him the evidence of like how can you try to say somebody isn't performing when they are and also quite a bit of evidence of me not having any responses when I'd asked for kind of catch-ups or you know any direction from a director you know um and so yeah, we began a process um, with the business that basically proved that. And yeah, I got quite a bit of money <laughs> in the end, you know, um, double the amount that they were offering me. Um, but, you know, I can laugh about it now, but that really did sort of do something quite massive to me. Um, and also in terms of kind of the businesses I guess that I then wanted to work for and also it led me to think do I I mean number one the leadership there I was so shocked when I got there because the examples were really quite disturbing to be honest um and so for two years I'd sort of been in a toxic organization anyway and had just thought like where's the good leadership here at all so there was part of me from that moment that was like can I actually stay in this industry and that was I used quite a bit of that money to study so I, I began the counselling course because I was a bit like, right, sod retail, I need to um, go and be a therapist. Like that's, that's <laughs> where I'm going to go next. Um, so I did my counselling course and then um, I, I, you know, I've got a business degree and I, um, I, I love the corporate world, but I just know there's so much like, trauma toxic leadership out there so I then decided not to do um to be a psychotherapist but I used the background in counseling to go on to do a master's in leadership which had psychoanalytic approaches to it so it's kind of like yeah I used the traumatic experience that I'd been through and the money that I had um been awarded and put that towards my future really and me making a difference in a different way yeah that's um a really harrowing experience mm. to go through but I think it's incredibly common mm -hmm. 
what was it that gave you the resolve to fight for yourself in that situation? I think I've always had, from a young age, like a really strong sense of justice and um, not really been afraid to to speak up for myself, I guess, or other people, you know, probably like the fact my mum was, um, she was a probation officer. So there's a strong sense of kind of, you know, the criminal justice system and discussing things, you know, around the, the um, dinner table, I guess. So I think I will always fight for what's right. Um, and to me, what was happening was so wrong. If I was, oh my God, a million percent, if my performance was bad and my areas weren't doing well, I'd have held my hands up and said, okay, I'll take that money, I'll leave, this hasn't worked out. But it was incorrect. And, you know, lies and non-truths are just unbearable, really. So... It sounds like there was a huge values mismatch between you and not just the business, but the leadership. What would you say to somebody who's experiencing that in their day-to-day working life but you're not alone um and that talking to somebody helps for I wish that I would have engaged with a coach earlier um not in that situation because I don't think that I was I don't think I was aware actually of how scary the results of what was going to happen would be but um I I think if people are in organisations that feel toxic, try to have an understanding of who is an ally. You need, you always need somebody that you can trust at work. Otherwise, you're definitely in the wrong place. You know, that's, it's really um, dysregulating to go to work every day and feel like you are watching your back and, you know, and... (laughs) A lot of the time, I mean, I've had it since, for sure. <laughs> you know, it didn't just end there. That was just... <laughs> well, you didn't leave the industry. Yeah, I didn't. And definitely, it, you know, there's another role that I had that felt as equally harmful to me. Um, but I kind of think um, just just knowing and talking to somebody that you trust always helps and reaching out to potential um coaches or therapists or whoever that is a professional sounding board as well sometimes we can just feel really stuck and I think always knowing that you're not stuck and that understanding that we always have choice and options and a lot of these organizations want to make you feel like you haven't and I really understand that sometimes looking for another job when you kind of feel, you know, let's be honest, a lot of these organisations really can take away your confidence, self-worth, motivation, drive. And I kind of think if you've got the inkling that perhaps this isn't the place for you before you really get to that point, start mapping out where you might want to go. Other than your employment lawyer, who was it that supported you through your longest day? Uh, definitely my husband. Yeah, he was amazing. Because um, obviously as well, it's it's scary, right? You've, I, uh, he's a firefighter. I 
earn more money. Um, I was paid very well. So you're like, oh God, we've, and we just bought a house. So it's really scary. I remember like lit, you know what? I went home and we didn't even have a bed at that point. It was like an air bed. So I'm sat there like on an air bed, <laughs> unemployed, basically, just like what is happening in life. But I think he was incredible and he knew, you know, he kind of knew I was unhappy there and it was, it just wasn't um, the place for me. But you kind of, you're in a system, right? You know, not only are we in this retail system, but we're in a, we chose to be part in part of a financial system where you've, you've secured a mortgage, you, you've got certain financial commitments as well. And I know they were all our choices, but then you're like, right. Okay. This is a bit scary. Um, yeah. So he was incredible and, and friends, you know, people in the industry. Yeah. How did you decide which role to take next? Um, so I think I felt so earth shattered that, do you know what, actually the next role came to me, um, because I was good at my job and essentially gave suppliers a lot of business, um, made businesses a lot of money, got the right product in there at the right time. I had a few kind of offers, but I worked freelance actually for a while for a supplier um, and just kind of had, um, it was two guys, had their support really, and I worked with them creating products. But it was a big shift because, um, you know, I was on the other side now as well. And I think I lasted like 18 months, but it certainly helped me to get myself back together a little bit as well. Yeah. And how did you, I guess you must have slowly been reconciling some of the existential issues that you have with the fashion industry, which have led you to launch Positive Retail. What was it that gave you the confidence to do that? And how did you jump into entrepreneurialism? <laughs> I think it's it's really, really no surprise to me that I have ended up like leading my own business. But I think now is definitely the right time for me to do it. So in terms of confidence, I don't think I even really, I I just, I just thought, right, this is an idea. Let's do a pop-up. Let's try it. And it was literally born from, because I wasn't meant to start positive retail. <laughs> I was meant to finish, you know, I'd finished my leadership masters. I was like, I was at a point in my career where I was a director. You know, we all know the statistics for being a CEO in the retail industry are not in women's favor because they are like 9% of females get to be CEOs. Um, whereas we are, I think we make up nearly 70% of the workforce. So, you know, it's pretty slim pickings that I would ever be a CEO running a big retailer. So, I had to sort of create my own really and create my own space. And it was, um, born on the day that Topshop went into administration. Cause I was like, I'd started my coaching practice. That was all good. And I, um, I just, I spoke to a local 
um, estate agent here and he was saying, you know, I remember on the day him saying, oh, my sister works at Westwood Cross Topshop. And I just thought all those people that have lost their jobs because somebody was so greedy and took all the money out of a business instead of nurturing it and putting money in. And also it was where I started. So I was like, it, things have got to change. And I just, the words that were going around in my head that day were, it's, it's a changing of the guards now. It's got to be a changing of the guards. And I just started from there. So in terms of confidence and me sort of thinking, oh, can I do this? I just thought I've got to. It was like, just, yeah, I didn't really think. I don't think I've thought since. <laughs> I think that might be because you've been rather busy. What would you say that you have learned about yourself after being launched into running positive retail? Um, I think that I was probably always meant to lead my own business. Um, I think going back, I've met somebody recently from Topshop who was, I was like the buyer's admin assistant and she was the assistant buyer. And she said, oh, Anna, it's no surprise that this is what you're doing because every time I used to um, try and explain to you process or something, you would always say, but why have we got to do, why are we doing it that way? And she was like, you were so brilliant, but just questioned everything and why we did everything. And I just think when your mind is like that and you kind of, you want to create something new. I think it's just, what have I learned that, yeah, I was probably meant to do this. And I just think it's the right time in my life. You know, I'm, I'm 40. I couldn't have done this when I was 30 at all. I didn't have the sort of the life experience, I think, to be able to deal with, um, you know, challenges that come up and also to understand like the impact that I want to have not only on the industry but on the people that work for me as well and I think everything's sort of led me to here yeah we'll be right back after this advert from our sponsor this episode of the longest day is sponsored by Grosvenor Search a specialist NED recruiter in the asset management space. Board diversity shouldn't be reducible to tokenism. Rather, efforts to diversify boards must be focused on ensuring that the top 5% of talent are identified and once recruited, empowered to strengthen existing boards. Grosvenor Search offers a targeted approach to ensure that your board receives the most impressive diverse talent. For more information, email info at grosvenorsearch.com. Let's get back to today's guest. I often reflect in my own career on the things that I have learned from bad examples. And particularly in toxic environments or difficult scenarios, there's a huge amount that we learn. How how have you cultivated, um, I guess, an approach to leadership mm. that protects your business? Yeah from falling into the same traps? Well, I just think for me, the when I looked or was part of, not part of joining in, but when I was an employee in a toxic organisation, it just felt so wrong. Like it always felt so out of alignment with me that I just used to think, 
why are we not thinking about the people properly? And why, why did, you know, it's very, the retail industry is still very old school. You know, you've got all the men at the top, all the women kind of doing the work. There's a lot of kind of masculine energy, if you like, like old school masculine energy that, um, is still around in traditional retail. Um, I think for me, just be, I would like to think I've always been a decent human being and my, I would go so far as to say you could ask any of my team in any of these organizations and they would always say she, she was a good, good boss. And I just always put the, the people first because if you don't take an interest in who is working for you and what motivates them and also treat them well say thank you you know um being kind of warm-hearted but firm has always been the best way to lead for me for sure and not not surprising people people should always know um what you think of them and where they're at as well. And I think there's just no way <laughs> that I would ever bring any of those values into, not that being toxic is a value, but um, I think as well to lead well, especially a new kind of business like this, you have to have a really strong sense of who you are um, and a secure base to start from you know if I was sort of not you know obviously we're all working everything out every day aren't we but I think if I was still quite traumatized by things from my past or um you know hadn't quite figured out stuff and hadn't done all the work that I've done and the study that I've done then I just don't think I would be able to be a, a a good leader now because I think what you know ultimately as a leader none of it's about you it's you're serving your organization and you're serving your customers and the wider environment and I think in order to do that you have to have sorted yourself out and your internal dynamics and understand what pushes your buttons and why um you know and have an ability to critically reflect on yourself and your behavior with somebody as well. I still have the coach that I've had for like five years. She's amazing. Um, and that's really, you know, honest and kind of fun work to do as well. And I wouldn't be able to, um, it's just another viewpoint, you know, having another viewpoint as well. If you had to do your career over again, mm -hmm. what would you do differently now? I don't think I'd do anything differently. I really don't. I think you end up where you end up quite rightly. And we either learn from things that have happened to us or you stay stuck and you live in denial and you become angry about that. And I, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think I would do anything differently. I think all, everything leads you to where you're meant to be and, through massive pain you grow and it has been painful and also the pain of um feeling like you are a complete outsider in the industry and in a boardroom and just thinking 
for a long time, I realize I, I felt sorry that um why can't I be like that person why can't I not question this system and just go along with it get the results do whatever's required of me like everybody else seems okay with doing that and I just never really was you know and I think it's because I needed to kind of do what I'm doing now. There's nothing about what I'm doing now that feels even one iota wrong in my bones. So I guess you just have to understand that all that pain that you've been through and, um, you know, the situations that you've been in are ultimately um, going to lead you to where you, you're meant to be and that actually being the outsider, questioning the system, being unafraid now to to have a voice on that um is ultimately your superpower really and the people that respond really do respond you know i love that one of the things we are very passionate about is food and so i expect our listeners would like to know if you had to live your longest day again what food would you choose to fuel it I love that. I mean, obviously begin with about five oat flat whites <laughs> because I'm going to need them. <laughs> I mean, what food would I have? I mean, I w- I'm picturing myself there again and I would still, I would be in central London, right? I would probably have the pret cheese and pickle sandwich because that I just, you can't get that in Thanet particularly. Um, and then where would I get? I'd probably have some Vietnamese because I kind of miss that as well. Um, yeah. That's a terrible Let's not food be wishing choice. Pret on Thanet, okay? <laughs> I'm drawing the line there. Anna, thank you so much for your uh, insights. Thank you for your vulnerability and sharing your longest day with us. And yeah, really excited to see uh, the imprint that you're having on the community down here and to see your enterprise go from strength to strength. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to a Broadstairs Consulting Limited podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Tune in soon to hear the next instalment of The Longest Day. Copyright 2023. Production copyright. Broadstairs Consulting Limited. All rights reserved.